There are two readings this morning. The first reading is from Jeremiah, and the second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's reading, I shall be at reading from the message. <clears throat> Jeremiah 6, reading from verse 16 to 20, and this can be found on page 763 in the Church Bibles. Jerusalem under siege. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my laws. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. So moving now to Matthew chapter 11, reading 25 to 30. And if you'd like to follow it in the church Bibles, it is on page 976 in the church Bibles. Matthew 11, reading from verse 25. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I am ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced forced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the word of the Lord. 
Les Allison, thank you so much for, for being with us and for your, for your ministry. I was telling Toby just before the service started, there's been some new theological research into the events of the Garden of Eden. You may remember that the serpent was banished all on his own. He left the Garden of Eden and he, a pretty bleak future was facing him. Uh, and he was slithering away, as serpents do, they, they slither, Graham, Graham slither quite a bit. And um, he was slithering away, and he came round a rock, and there was another lady serpent. And he was so excited about this, and he said, what's your name? She said, my name's Sybil. He said, well, I'm Sid. Uh, would you like to slither with me? And she said, yes, I'd love to slither with you. So they slithered off together, and he was thinking, I've got a wonderful future in front of me here, slithering through life. And uh, as they were slithering along, they were great companions. He was looking to this great future, and he, he turned to Sybil. He said, Sybil, can I just ask you, he said, are we, are we poisonous? And Sybil said, yes, yes. He said, yes, yes, we're poisonous, all right. They slithered on a bit further, went round another rock, and... Sid said to Sybil, uh, Sybil said to Sid, she said, why, why did you ask me if we're poisonous? And Sid said, well, I just bit my lip. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the joke out of the way, which has got nothing to do with this lovely passage that we've been reading about, about being yoked with Christ. And I asked Alison to read from the Message Bible because I think it brings the idea of being yoked with Christ bang up to date when it talks with, about being yoked with Christ as learning the unforced rhythms of grace. Yokes, of course, were common in Jesus' day, and yoke-making was a skilled craft. You had to use really strong wood, it had to be really, really smooth, so they did, it wasn't rough for the animals, for the oxen on their necks and, and on their muscles. And yokes were expertly sized to match the team for which they were made. Being yoked to Christ, learning the unforced rhythms of grace, is a promise that offers hope of a God who will lift the wearisome burdens of our, off our backs and replace it with a lighter load. Lighter because it joins us with the one whose strong help can lift any burden. Well, that's how we interpret the passage these days, but it meant something very different when Jesus said it. You see, he just finished preaching a mission to several of the Galilean towns, and his welcome had been less than warm. The people in those towns, they were smart and capable, in spite of the Roman occupation, their economies, their local economies were strong, and their religious institutions were still working. They weren't looking for help from Jesus, for that matter, from anybody else. And whatever gifts he'd offer them, they declined to take. In other words, his Galilean mission was a failure. And in chapter 11, we hear how Jesus responds to that failure. After dishing out some powerful reproaches to those who had not welcomed him, he thanks God for revealing spiritual truths to the more simple-minded. Spiritual truths that the apparently wise and knowledgeable couldn't see. Jesus is teaching that we must be careful not to confuse human wisdom and knowledge with divine revelation. 
We come to know God not through our own natural intelligence or our own capable efforts. We come to know God because God has chosen to know us. Now Jesus offers to lighten the load of all who are carrying heavy burdens. And for them, they were burdens of legalism, impossible religious rights imposed upon them by the apparently wise and knowledgeable, the scribes and Pharisees. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me and you'll recover your life. Now note, Jesus doesn't give rest to all the heavily laden. It's especially offered to those who show their want of relief and approach him, those who are willing to be yoked to Christ. In the Mishnah, the oral tradition of the Jewish law, the rabbis used to use the word yoke instead of the word school. For young Jewish boys, they were told to take up the yoke of holy instruction. But by the time of Jesus, the scribes, the Pharisees, they created so many rules and regulations, the word yoke meant an impossible burden of trying to earn righteousness by attempting to keep a massive body of statutes and commandments, rites and ceremonies. So the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because every good Jew was bound to worry and struggle with his yoke lest he fall out of favour with God and his community. It became so oppressive that even their very existence, their very happiness, their very well-being depended on one attempting to perform under this yoke of legalism. By the time Matthew sat down to write his gospel, the first Jewish revolt against the Romans had failed, the temple was in ruins, and with the Sadducees out of business and the Zealots in full retreat, the Pharisees, were the, the Pharisees were the only religious party left standing. They held the future of Judaism in their hands. And that put them in a direct collision course with a much smaller but growing Jesus party, which was largely made up of simple folk. Now, both parties shared the same Torah, the same prophets, the same God. So from a modern perspective, we might have been forgiven for seeing it as a struggle between Christians and Jews. But we'd be wrong to do so. Because in Jesus' day, it was a struggle amongst his own people. At issue was not only the question of who had the authority to speak on God's behalf, but also what yoke, what burden, those authorities placed on humankind. It was then, as it can still be today, a struggle within one religious tradition over the requirements of faith. Thanks to the Apostle Paul and his gifted interpreter Martin Luther, we, of course, see that struggle as being between works and grace. Between works and grace. When Jesus offered his heavy burden listeners a lighter yoke, what he was offering them was a religion of grace. A religion of grace to replace the good works under which they labeled. And if we're honest, we can still struggle with that issue today. 
there can be tensions in our own lives between grace and works. On the one hand, we long to believe that God came to us as we are, utterly unimpressed by our Christian busyness, the tricks we pull for love. On the other hand, we live in a fast-paced world and an instant results culture where those tricks which we've learnt often work really well. So it's sometimes almost impossible to give up believing in them. Follow us around for a day or two and you may discover that we believe most by how we act. I may believe that I live by the God of grace, but I often act like a scout boy collecting merit badges. Lewis Smeads was a professor of theology at one of America's top universities, and he was a renowned Christian author. And this is what he wrote about being yoked to the grace of Christ. He said, being yoked to grace, grace doesn't make everything right in our world. Grace doesn't cure all our cancers, transform all our kids into winners, or send us soaring into the heights of success. Being yoked to grace is an amazing power to look earthly reality full in the face, see its sad and tragic edges, and yet feel in your deepest being that it is good and right to be alive on God's good earth. How many of you make lists, action lists? No, don't put your hands up. Maybe you've got a list of things a mile long. But just ask yourself for a moment, if you do make lists, how many of them are things that you genuinely want to do? That you genuinely want to do. How many are things that you think you ought to do? How many are things that if you cross them off the list, you'd be worried that you're not being a good Christian? Even that God might not love you anymore. We may believe that our lives depend on God's grace, but we do sometimes act as if it depends on the amount of Christian busyness, the amount of good deeds we can rack up. In some way, the smart and capable culture of Guildford parallels the smart and capable townsfolk of Galilee who turned their backs on Jesus. And it's a trap we can fall into too, turn Jesus' easy yoke into a hard one again by driving ourselves on to do, 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 whipping ourselves up to be, 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 when all God ever asks, all God ever asks is that we belong to him. Demands of work, demands of family, church responsibilities, keeping up with the flood of texts, of Twitters, of blogs, of emails, it's easy Let's face it, it's easy to feel weighed down by the heavy burden, the yoke of day-to-day -day demands of life, trying harder to prove ourselves worthy. Trouble is, that is the most tiring yoke in the world. A well-fitting yoke, a well-fitting yoke, a shared yoke, works very differently. Jesus is a skilled carpenter. And he is telling us that he is an expert yoke maker. His yoke is custom made for each one of us. It is a perfect, 
individual fit to your burdens and your needs. It's ideally suited to your life. Now don't get me wrong, it's not that when we're yoked to Jesus, all our burdens are removed. Let's not delude ourselves. They are still very much there. Instead, with Jesus on the team, everywhere we go, everywhere we go everything we do, he is now pulling with us. As it says in Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. When we were genuinely yoked with Christ, when we are genuinely in harness with him, then our burdens are no longer heavy or ill-fitting. We start to learn to live freely and lightly. And when we do that, we begin to experience the unforced rhythms of grace. Famous 19th century evangelist Henry Morehouse led a very hectic life. He had demands to preach all over the world. He was before the days of commuters and texts and even telephones. And one day he came home late to find his wife upstairs in bed and his little daughter Minnie sitting in a chair with a brown paper parcel beside her. Minnie was completely paralysed. She was unable to walk anywhere. Going up to her and kissing her, he said, where is mother? Minnie said, mother's upstairs. Please, please let me carry the parcel to her. Why, Minnie dear, how can you carry the parcel? You can't even carry yourself. And with a smile on her face, Minnie said to him, Oh no, Papa, but you give me the parcel, and I will carry the parcel, and you will carry me. Taking her up in his arms, he carried her upstairs, little Minnie, and the parcel too. And as he did so, the word of the Lord came to him that this was his position in the work in which he was engaged. He was carrying his burden, but God was carrying him. We can labour under the illusion that our yokes are single ones, that we've got to go it alone, that the only way to be a proper, compassionate Christian is to load ourselves down with a heavy workload. Good deeds, pure thoughts, blameless lives, perfect, dutiful obedience. We can even delude ourselves into believing that nobody else can do it as well as I can. While all the time, Jesus is standing there, right in front of us, half of a perfectly fitting yoke on his shoulders, the other half wide open, wide open and waiting for us. A yoke that requires no more than we just step into it and become part of his team. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. No wonder these words have weathered the centuries so well because they assure us that those who please God are not those who carry the heaviest loads but, as the psalmist says, those who cast their cares on the Lord, 
those who are willing to fully share their loads. Enter into the double yoke with Christ. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So that even when the going gets tough, when our hearts are overwhelmed, he can lead us to a rock that is higher than we are. When we keep company with Jesus, accept his yoke, turn all we do over to him, learn the unforced rhythms of his grace, and we learn step by step, burden by burden, task by task, to live freely and lightly with the one who promises never, never to lay anything too ill-fitting on our shoulders. Amen. Before we move into 